We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Mr. Frank Zumo. Frank is an incredibly accomplished musician and drummer for bands like Sum 41. He's even stepped in for Tommy Lee at Motley Crue. Now, I know what you're thinking. You think, oh, this is a rock and roll guy. It definitely is. I mean, this guy is a beast on the drums. But really, regardless of our gender, your age, what kind of music you like, Frank is a person that is so inspiring because of his dedication to his health, his pursuit to his passions, his deep commitment to his family and his incredible values. So I really hope that you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hello, Ma. Push the earth away, Gabby. How many years has this been now? Because I remember making the this music on ja- tour. I just don't remember yes. how many years ago that was. Like two? Yeah. Well, no. no. It's a year. Well, a little more than a No, exactly a year and a half because I started. Oh, it came out January 2020. So you made the music like November of 19. Yep. On tour. Yeah. Frank Zuma, welcome back to my house. It's good to be here. I don't, haven't been here since I think my drums were in the bottom of your pool. <laughs> I know. Your first solo album. Let's talk... Let's talk about, because um, people listening, we know each other. You want to talk about how we met? Um, it's probably not like a likely pair, I guess. On your podcast, your former podcast, mm-hmm. um, probably six years ago. Was it that long ago already? I think so. It was the truth barrel. It's like right when I'd gotten into some 41 and my publicist was like, hey, Neil, who I had done his wild podcast back in the day. Oh yeah, the one on uh, Sirius XM or what was it? Yeah. Right? We were, Neil I mean, Strauss for people listening who is a author and I mean he's he's done a lot of interesting work. What, what how was that, that It was podcast? wild. It was shots and very, you know, people from the exotic world of yeah. uh, you know, pornography and whatnot. So it was a wild rock and roll as you would expect from the guy who wrote a Motley Crue book. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got asked to come on his new show, they said, you're going to be in a barrel in just your board shorts. Are you cool with that? And I was like, sure. And I thought it was going to be another Neil crazy one, but they're like, no, this is with Gabby Reese. And this is a very serious, you know, real talk thing. Came and met you for the first time in your sauna. Mm-hmm. And um, it actually, you know, I've said this so many times in interviews it definitely was like one of the moments that changed my life in so many ways, just connecting with you and actually speaking to an athlete for the first time and realizing that I am an athlete and I never put that together. And you actually like brought me in here and you're like, these are the supplements and this is the stuff you should be doing. And I like literally went on a nine week tour and it just mentally, you know, changed my outlook, how I warmed up, warmed down, what I put in my body. And it really came at an important time because I was going into the longest tour I'd ever done, the hardest drumming I had ever done. And I kind of needed that just mentally um, as well. And then like throughout the years, like anytime I've ever had a question about any of those topics, I would always 
consult with you, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you've always been there for me in that way. And then just turned into a, a, you know, great friendship. It's, it's family. I mean, it's just the things that we've done and inspiration and, and all that. It's, you know, so I always say it. So like, thank you for. Thank you, Neil Strauss. Yeah. Thanks, Neil Strauss, for putting us together and changing my life in many great ways. So let's talk about that because when I met you, when someone first meets you and they, you go, they're going to, it's going to be a drummer and uh, he's in a band, he's some 41. And when Tommy Lee gets hurt, um, they called you to, to step in. You think, oh, this, this will, this guy will probably be a little bit wild, you know? And when I first met you, I was like, I didn't get that hit at all. You seem, and I've seen this in other performers or athletes who we say get it all out on the field or the stage. The fact that you, for two hours at a time. Um, and I encourage people, and we're, we're going to actually try to get a, clips of you drumming that we can also play during this or and, and to promote it. Encourage people to watch what you do because it's not, it's drumming, it's, it is athletics. And it's for a couple of hours and then it's night after night and then week after week. But y- you felt already like you were sort of living a pretty healthy lifestyle. It, is that not, was that not a, an accurate assessment? Definitely. I mean, my mother, you know, was very strict about, you know, our diet. There was no junk in the house. She always cooked, you know, it was very well planned. It wasn't anything, you know, um, anything negative or you know, bad in, in that department. Um, so I've always tried, but what you think you know, and then you actually do learn. It was just like, okay, let's throw that all out. Mm-hmm. I have to actually go on a whole new during now, because I actually was starting to have some issues with just like the repetitive motion with the body and aches and pains. And I was like, things need to change here, but I really didn't know what to do. And mm. um, I think you are right, though. It definitely, I let it all out on stage. And I think that's why I'm so much more, I think, mellow in regular day life, because I do get that aggression out and all that. But it's been a, a very hard thing for over the last year and a half, not getting to do that. So I had to come up with other ways mm-hmm. so I wouldn't like lose my mind because I had to release that energy and creative, you know, stuff somehow. Yeah. Well, and let's set the table a little bit. You're married and you have two very young children. You have two sons, two years old and five years old. So mm-hmm. you're not only not getting to tour and get it out, so to speak, you're also uh, an entrepreneur. So the stress of work and not working and you're at home with two little kids who are both high energy. And uh, you, have, you also, where did you meet your wife? I met her in Hollywood at like a random club. But we figured out that night that we had met each other through life because her band had played with other bands of mine, like literally the same shows and stuff. And we've passed and never actually got to meet. And I knew her band members and then we finally put it together that one night and then that was kind of the beginning of, of, you know, we're together, I think coming up on 11 years now. Wow. And uh, you, you picked a smart, it like, I always love to see certain guys that again, you think, Oh, you know, they rocks, they live a rock star lifestyle. They're all over the place. And then they choose, you have an incredibly smart organized, um, there's a serious mindedness to her. I totally. think. And she's also, you know, she toured and, and sang in a band for years. So, she understands me and she knew what she was signing up for because that's been a hard thing with relationships where mm-hmm. they just don't understand. And 
she just knew what she was getting into. She knew that if we had children, I was going to be on the road for months at a time. And, and she knew what she signed up for. And I think that's been the reason why it's a big reason why it's been so successful, our marriage and why, you know, she is so support. She's just so really supportive, which is great. You know, like there's never why you leaving or why this. And then she knows that when I go home, the rule is I have to fully be there. I have to fully disconnect and be there for my children because they need that. And especially over the last year and a half, I mean, it's the longest time I've actually ever spent with my wife in our entire relationship. Congratulations. It's crazy. And we're <laughs> no, still here. I said that the I, other day. We were just talking when you, when you, you just flew in that you guys literally moved about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And as people know, moving is really stressful. And then you were joking, like, hey, the next time we move, I mean, obviously they move this stuff, but as far as packing and unpacking, you guys handled all of that with little children and things like that. Um, what is that? Like, what, what is, and I met your mom at a concert mm-hmm. and you obviously have a strong mom. She's a, you know, she, she's compact in size and stature, but she has totally. a power about her. What, what is it? How does it work for you? Like when you say, okay, I go home and I have to totally unplug and and be there. Do you have a framework around that? Like, what does that look like? Um, The biggest challenge was normally I'll come home for three days a week and it's fun guy, dad, he's home and the kids are excited and we'll go have a, we call it dude days where I'll take the boys and whatever they want to do, go to lunch, go to the park, whatever it may be, bring them here to swim, like whatever it may be, we have due days. So fast, or it's, I come home for the holidays, it's fun time or whatever it may be. Now it's like, I'm a very, very big planner and I was, I, I wrapped training with you guys in Kauai. Mm-hmm. You came to an XPT experience. Yeah, which... Mm-hmm. Talk about the perfect time to end before this, yeah. which is a whole nother... It was, it was March right before COVID. Yeah, yeah. Like literally seeing, starting to hear whispers of... of I got sick on the way home. I, okay, this is my bad. This is my <laughs> karma coming out. So when we flew home, Laird went to Alaska to snowboard. That's right. And I came back because my girls are here. Mm-hmm. And we had done this event, this XPT. So there's probably like 25 people, different people from all around. There was a guy from Singapore. There was mm-hmm. people from all around. When I was sitting on the plane and you hadn't really heard much about COVID, this couple came on the plane and they were wearing masks. And I, in my inside voice, was like, oh, look at these people with their masks on. Oh, we're on a germ tube. Like, what's that going to do, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I was sitting on the flight three hours in because I'm pretty healthy. I could feel the back of my throat. I was like, oh, my God, something's trying to make me sick. And normally what I do, if something like that, you're just like, okay, you know what? Just keep a positive attitude. You'll get a proper night's sleep your body will deal with it. You'll be fine. And I was like, I think this thing's going to get me. And I got KO'd for like five or six days. Oh, I was like man. so sick. And Laird got it on the way to Alaska. And um, so he was trying to snowboard, heliboard in Alaska with um, a wicked cold. But, w- you know, whether it was COVID or not, you know, we still don't know. But it, it's sort of the timing. So, okay, so you come back from there. And then what's supposed to be on your schedule for I, 2020? Yeah, I came back from that. I was a year into a world tour. We had already kind of circled the world and um, we had already done, we did a Japan and Europe tour, came home from that, met you guys in Kauai. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I came back from that just ready to take on the world. I was so fired up. Actually, 
learned how to breathe for the first time in, you know, 40 years, which is insane. Well, how do you think you were breathing? And it's astounding to me because, again, Laird and I went to see you play, and it is astounding, the pace that you keep for the amount of time. So one would just assume that you have figured out how to breathe correctly. It's like a great singer. You know, they know how to bring their breath in and all these things. What do you think you were doing that might be a pretty common mistake that you then switched? And I'd love to know if how you felt it made a difference. Definitely on like the really fast, fast, like clenching parts, I probably was holding my breath, which like when you're lifting weights, you're not mm-hmm. supposed to do that in those moments. If you breathe, it's just easier. I never thought about it. You just do it and you don't think about it because, you know, no one ever educated me how to do it. And that's the first thing we did. We get there and we lay down on the beach and it's like we go through a whole layered guided 40 minute to an hour thing. And I was just like, holy shit, this is like this is incredible. Like I've never thought about it. And just, you know, after doing that for a couple of days, it was so different. And Laird gave me a bunch of advice. He's like, when you're drumming, you should try to do this and try to do that. So I brought that into drumming, which I'd never thought about. I just did it. And it's making it easier. Even like, you know, when we were doing a arena tour in Canada, I hit you up. I'm like, Hey, there's, we're in these hockey arenas and I have a bike every day. What should I do? And you're like, do this bike for like 20 minutes and just nose breathe. It'll oxygenate you for your show and make things easier. Mm-hmm. And it actually did. So it's like just taking all those things and learning. And I think the biggest part of it that was now I can't do it before bed. I, if I if I don't do it, I, I can't sleep or mm. settle down. So I do it now and I have either you, Laird, Mark, PJ talking me through and it puts me to bed every time. I don't even make it through it anymore. I, I've actually just started doing it on the plane. Um, I do it in the morning. I do it after working out. And now with the boys, mm-hmm. when they're all... Hyped up. And they can't, we can't get them settled down for bed, I put it on and they're out. So let's let's just really talk about it. So for people listening, you know, you can use the breath, which the thing I love about this is it's you can do it anywhere and it's free. It's your own, it's your own breath. So you would... Up, upregulate or go into your sympathetic system, which would mean like, hey, you're ready. You got a big presentation. You want to get ramped up. You want to get heated up, warm up, things like that. Then, you know, that's one type of pattern. And then if you want to downregulate, and, and I want to talk to you about downregulating um, because I can't, you know, after a show, it's late. Did you, did you used to use cocktails to kind of wind down? How did that work? Definitely. It was, um, it was always... A drink before the show. Why? Take the edge off to not be so... Because you're going on stage? Exactly. And then there would be a drink during the show. How? How do you have a drink during a show? I mean, I would never finish one because I could barely what's the, t- have what, time to what take What type a of drink? I mean, it was either like a vodka, lemonade... Oh, wait, I know. Jägermeister, right? That Didn't was... You? Oh, later. That was right? Did, shots. You, okay. Oh, yes. That okay. was shots, okay. which that wouldn't be during the show. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ugh. That's too drastic. Um, yeah, talk about like adulting life now. The Jaeger machine went in the garbage. Now I have a um, a juicer and a Laird coffee machine. <laughs> so you you let's say you'd have a cocktail. Was that just? Is it sort of custom, like rock and roll lifestyle custom? Like I knew guys that did it, and guys before me do that. It was kind of like what the, you do the tribe. Like we all have a drink. You know, as we're getting ready, it's part of the ritual. Yep. Then you have one on stage, and then after it's like glass of wine to settle down. And what started happening was I've never had an addiction problem, only to work and 
the good stuff, not to, to, you know, I, I never took it to that level. And yes, I mean, I had fun, especially when I was, you know, on the road with Tommy Lee. I mean, of course we had a blast and I, I definitely, you know, did that, but I was also a lot younger and, and, you know, my, just the recovery, everything is different now, the older you get. And like, I started realizing, wait a second, because it's in the dressing room, it's part, it's mental. I don't want this, but I have to do this because it's here Mm -hmm. and it's doing it every day. And I said, I need to like, this is not what drinking is supposed to be for. Drinking is supposed to be for a celebration or celebratory thing. Like I'm noticing a pattern here and I don't like it. So I'm going to check out. And also I can't have anything toxic that's going to mess with me doing my job because this band and this kind of playing is, is hard enough as it is. Like I don't need anything else that's negative on. So I, I cut it out of touring. Um, do the guys give you a hard time? Cause you know, Laird had his own and it doesn't sound, it sounds like you have a very different personality, mm-hmm. excuse me, <laughs> or relationship with alcohol. Laird was, you know, fighting, the, fighting the dragon, if you will. And, um, you know, he just got to a place where he was like, oh, yeah, I'm not being honest with myself and I ha- it's probably going to destroy my life. And a lot of his friends used to say to him, like, you are so much more fun when you drank. And there was all that around it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he substituted a Pellegrino bottle for his Pinot Noir bottle. Um, so, you know, culturally, were guys like, oh, what's wrong? Like, how come you don't drink? Like, was there any of that that you had to deal with? Because I think that's another thing people when they're trying to sort of say move towards something that's maybe a little more supportive of their healthier lifestyle, sometimes other people, um, they can, they can give you a hard time about it. Uh, Not really. I mean, my singer has to be sober because he almost died from it. And that was his like reality check. There was no rehab. There was, he was just like, I want to live and do music. So he's sober um, you know, the other guys in the bands cocktail a little bit, but there's nothing like this band back in the day was like a Motley crew, just a debauchery destruction. Yeah, it was, you know, it was wild. Um, but no, it's, it's not like that. And like, even my, my friends like that, I mean, Tommy Lee's sober now, you yeah. know, and he's just as fun. There's no, you know, and, and yes, there might be some friends that were your party friends that aren't around anymore, but like, I, I don't even have time for that anyway. It's like, I, you know, it's. I don't, I don't miss it on tour. And it's funny because I remember my first show without having that drink to take the edge off. It was amazing. I'm like, holy shit, this adrenaline. I'm so fired up. Like, I love this. I don't want to take the edge off. Mm. Like, this is so good. Like, I love being antsy and I'm just pacing in circles before we go on. Like, I'm like, why was I getting rid of that? This is awesome. Right. You know, so it was like the, the opposite kind of, you know, effect to that degree and now it's just like after a show to wind down now because I'm done I'm done I'll I'll you know do the I'll ice my arms I'll make a smoothie on the bus and then literally lay in my bunk and read and now breathe to go to sleep and it's like I'm out and I sleep I don't even think I dream I'm just in a coma because I'm just you know everything's left on that stage for sure do you take any supplements, like maybe ramp certain supplements up when you're on the road to support? Because it is, it's, you know, it is a body beating. Absolutely. I mean, I literally start and end the day with all this stuff. I mean, I'm doing um, magnesium supplements for bedtime. I actually mm-hmm. took last night for the first time, the new one that you get, the Laird just came out with. Oh, yeah. The, my wife mm-hmm. and I tried that last night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the morning with my vitamins, I'll do the Activate mm-hmm. Laird. Um, so... 
Yeah, I mean, it's what about a, for inflammation? Are you taking anything? A lot of turmeric supplements, B yeah. supplements. Um, I have an amazing doctor who's got me on. Like, he just went through like blood work that was like, I'm. It's funny because of all the tattoos I have. Yeah, I'm oh. the biggest wuss with getting blood taken, and he won. Oh come on! D- I'm so bad at it. Like literally, <laughs> but I can get tattooed. It makes no sense. But he literally wanted to do an extensive blood work to literally test everything. And when she put this basket of vials, I almost passed out just seeing how much blood had to be done. But he's got me on different stuff now, especially like he noticed different things happening because of my allergies or because of the stress of just life that's been going on. Selling houses, moving, COVID. Not touring, not working. It's just like, you know, and that's, I think, kind of to circle back what you originally started about, about planning and all that. I was, after I saw you in Hawaii, I had to go to Vegas for a convention um, for two days. And then I was going to hop on an overnight flight to Mexico and then be out with some for a long time. And I got told to go home. And it was like, okay, the kids' daycare is closed. My wife still works. She worked from home, had nothing to do with the pandemic. You're full on daddy daycare for two boys no warning, no planning. I didn't know what was going on, if we were going to go back on the road in a month or if, if we were not. So it was a very, very stressful situation um, in so many you know, ways. And I just literally was like, I'm going to use this breath work and do it with the family. Mm-hmm. We did some of those like XPT live things, which mm-hmm. like PJ did fun ones where for the kids mm-hmm. and like all that stuff was really helpful and useful. And it's like, we still use it. What do you, what do you say? Cause you know, I, I, I think it's an interesting, I used to say I'd, I, Laird would like, I know how much Laird, his, how important his family is to him. And when you are in a relationship and it could be with, it doesn't mean one or the other. It doesn't mean with a man or with a woman, it's just a certain type of person. So I know that the thing that makes him, him is sort of this wild freedom person that needs to go, you know, if the ocean is calling him or what have you. And, and I, but simultaneously, I also know how dedicated he is to the family, but there would be times that if he wasn't getting enough of the other, that even though being at home, there's love and gratitude, like, oh, the girls are healthy, all of this, that there's sort of a pain and suffering that I can't help him with, you know, and I can try to be understanding, but it's almost something that a person has to go through on their own. I guess, you know, knowing you as, you know, as I do, where do you go in yourself or what do you say to yourself or how do you work that out? when you're not you're not getting to do that and now you are being Mr. Dad and even though that's a supremely important job I think feeding that other side of oneself also and you know I think people are they feel like it's a selfish thing to say or whatever I I don't actually I think that's just part of being a human being is and some people have it more but where did you what did you do what did you put in place um and what was your internal dialogue about going huh okay I have to look at this. I'm not going to be doing that for a while. And in some ways, the hardest thing to do is for a time being, just be a parent. It is because it's, no one gives you a paycheck. Nobody goes, hey, great job. There's an amount of repetition that's so intense. I don't care how disciplined you are. And I think you sort of also go like, wait a second, who am I? Like, how do you, how are you blending that in that sort of 
you got dropped into that pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time I think in my life, you know, I was actually, and I don't want to use the word like depression because Mm -hmm. I think that's, it was maybe a mild, but it was the first time I was like having negativity, which I normally, that's not, you know, mental health. And I was noticing some things that were off that, and I just had to sit there and go, okay, this is temporary because of of what's happening. I need to now, because I'm not getting this energy out that, and, and how can I, you know, do this? And the band was like, we're on hiatus with no, we, you know, the band spread all over Canada and America. Like we're not doing anything. Our singer had his first child. He was in baby world. And I was just like, okay, I need to sitting here being negative is not healthy and it's not going to do anything. So I need to turn this around. I need to get that creative side out. So I had been dabbling with collaborating with other artists to do solo music. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to dive fully and immerse into this because everyone wants to work now. Everyone's available to work. So I'm going to work with every producer, songwriter, singer, and, and come up with a collection of songs. And I said to my team, I have a challenge for us because I did before this pandemic, I had record deals on the table for my solo music and they all went away because labels didn't know if they were going to make it or not. So I said, here's a challenge, guys. Let's get a record deal in a pandemic. Let's let's make things happen when nothing is happening. Like I'm going to work as hard as I can on this. Give, give you guys the best songs I possibly can with great artists and people. And it was a challenge. And we wound up getting a record deal. We... I put out an EP and then that inspired me to write a record's worth of material that now we're pushing out a single every month. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I wanted to fully control everything that was going on with the art, the, you know, music videos. And, and all of this happened around the time that I was training with you guys and everything. So I was just like, okay, we do pool training. How do we do <laughs> drums? Like you guys, your whole motto is we take what we do on land, do it underwater and I'm like can we do this so I called you guys I'm like can I drown my drums in your pool and for the video you're like sure come over and we didn't rehearse it so we didn't know if it didn't work right I was screwed and I wasn't having a music video and Ben my tech just threw my drums in the pool the kick drum floated the wrong way and sunk the other drums wouldn't sink I was floating up so we literally had to put your dumbbells in all the drums to weigh them down and then when I fully got under there and like attached my feet under weights I actually was able to play and it actually sounded really cool because it sounded like the drums were being filtered out and you guys have the banging system in the pool so I can hear playback. Right. And it was so cool. And like the crew is like, they'd never done anything like this before to, you know, to be in the water and everyone got suntanned and it was just like a fun day to do something. And it was like a challenge for me because I was like, I've never done this. I want to do this. I'm not going to fake it. Like let's, there's yeah. no way to fake it. Um, and I wanted to make something cinematically beautiful too, instead of just another, like here we are in green screen with a bunch of computer stuff. And like that video and the message of, of my music is just like mm-hmm. where I'm at. Like, you know, some 41 is very, um, aggressive political. This, I want it to be completely opposite and reflect, like just feel good when people are clicking through. I want to, them to be inspired or to But how about feel the good. title of your album? Yeah, that was it, it's my war which mm-hmm. to me was like what this project trying to get this out of my head and and you know when I turned 40 we went to Hawaii and I was at a point in my life where I was just like wanted to do something else and I I didn't know what yet and I went on a 
on a run in Koalina. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. And just like a song came on as I'm running, I had the whole vision to do this solo project. And, and I'm like, you know, DJs are producers that make music and they go out and stand in a DJ booth and play them. I'm like, it's this, why can't a drummer do that? I can go in and create this. But instead of me standing in a booth, like mixing, I'm actually performing. Like we live in a world now where that is acceptable. Back in the day, you had to have the full band. Everybody had to be playing live. Mm-hmm. You live in a world now where the 21 Pilots, it's two dudes and they're selling out arenas. You know, it's like, it's, it's just a different way now. Um, and I just want to continue to push like, yes, yeah, some 41 is my, that's my everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to just keep growing as an artist and, and I have such loves of so many music, you know, musical things. And like, this doesn't put me in a box. Right. Some 41 we're in, you know, the thing I do love about some 41 is like, it's pop, it's punk, yeah. it's heavy. So we're able to kind of float around, which is great. Um, you know, but I just wanted to kind of not have any boundaries because, hey, I'm a drummer and I'm just going to collaborate with all these different people. And when the singer that I collaborated on a song with, when he wrote that lyric, It's My War, I was mm-hmm. like, that just said what I've been thinking, yeah. like internally and, and all that. I think a lot of people, it's a fascinating thing too, like you, you know, we, it's not that we romanticize what, uh, or other people, and then now let's add... So, I mean, before it used to be TV and movies did it, and now it's like real people are doing it, but they're doing it on social media. Like, they're romanticizing what family or friendships or children or whatever this is, instead of us really learning what it, all the shades that it is. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no richer, deeper experience for me in my personal life than my family. But it's also when I'm constantly, you know, having those moments of going, okay, well, one right now, I don't even know maybe what I'm doing. I also am yearning to express myself, my individual self more while simultaneously really wanting to be here. And I, and I don't, I don't say it's gender, but I feel that men might even usually have to wrestle that a little more because, you know, I think moms like, it's more, you feel drawn a little easier where men, maybe it's like, I want to be here. I want to be of service to the family. And I got to, I want to go, you know, like I want to adventure. I want to express hunt, you know, whatever the things are. So I was interested if you, did you ever talk about it? Did you, were you able to verbalize it? Did you just hold it? Like, I mean, it's, I think it's so important that we recognize it and then put it into something if we're able to, and that takes effort. I think sometimes people think, well, they just have something, they figured it out. It's like, well, no, it's, it takes effort. But were, did you ever talk to anyone? Did you talk to your guy friends? Did you talk to your wife? Like, were you like, yo, this is, I'm, this is hard. Like, I don't know. Definitely my wife. I mean, we have always had uh, just an honest, open communication. I don't, I tell her everything. I don't, I've never, and that's why I married her. I was like, this is the first person I can actually, mm. you know, comfortably tell her everything and she's not judging me and we've had that you know relationship and I put it all out on the table from day one I was just like there's no skeleton this is what I used to do this is how it you know it was um because I didn't want her to you know hear something or or whatever we just had a very open honest relationship um but yeah I you know I would get frustrated and and you know she would just like what do you need what what do you need to to do what you have to do and like we would schedule because 
my music room slash office, I was on the road. She started working from home. I'm like, I'm on the road. You take it over. So that became her work. I'm off the road. She needs to work. So all of a sudden I'm putting out a solo record and I have to get ready for streaming performances and practice or do press. And we had to like schedule in the calendar. You have to get out of the office, honey, so I can do this. And I'm like, this is not how creative stuff should be working. So I said, okay, we need to reevaluate our needs as a family. And this home, as, as amazing as our first starter home has been, this isn't working for you, for me, for the kids. And we started having those conversations and figuring out what would be the best thing for the family, which, again, the silver linings in this whole thing is the best part to just say, like, okay, if I would have just kept go, 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 we would have stayed here. And, you know, it just the financial side, there's so many things that we were just doing that we actually are bettering for our lives and for our family. And like, that is the best part. And me just with having two toddlers that I've missed, you know, I missed them walking for the first time. I missed a lot. Mm -hmm. I actually got to, when they're this young, for them to have a father and for me to teach Brixton how to ride a bike, to teach him how to swim, to watch him learn how to read. I would have missed all that. So it's like, Yes, it sucked to not go do what I've I've done, but like boohoo, like I didn't get mm-hmm. wow one year of me not touring when I've done it my whole life. Like okay, to 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 have this family time to reevaluate, to move, to do all this stuff to better our life is so worth it in the end. And I I, I wouldn't trade it for any for you know anything at all. And I think like the one thing that really was was heavy. I was like okay, we're adults, we can deal with this. We had our childhood. These kids now just got robbed of their graduations, maybe going to their first year of college, finally leaving the nest, you know, um, their prom, sports. And, you know, I was like, because I've gone out, my my biggest passion, you know, is going out to, to inspire the youth. I've done these workshops where I'll go into, you know, I've partnered with van shoes and all these rad companies. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's go. When I was a kid, drum clinics were like super corny. They were just in like a VFW hall, no vibe. It was like a guy that would just go in and play every crazy note that he does, talk about drums and bounce. And it was cool to see like people that you looked up to, but it wasn't like this experience. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's go into skate parks. Let's go into record shops, coffee shops. Um, let's show up to School of Rock Schools, which is an incredible you know, music schools for kids that when I was coming up, that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And let's go out and inspire kids, motivate kids. I get to jam with kids. You know, it's like, it's so incredible because I didn't have these opportunities coming up. And I just feel like when I have the spotlight on me, I want to use it for that. Mm -hmm. Instead of being, you know, talk um, about what I feel about this election or COVID. Oh yeah. I'd rather use my spotlight (laughs) for this because... I just, I'm passionate about it and rather use it to, to do this stuff. And I wasn't able to do that mm-hmm. during this pandemic. I'd go on like certain, you know, a live thing for School of Rock and talk to the kids. And I was just seeing like the questions were kind of heavy and the tone was different than it was. And I was like, okay, there's a major thing here with these kids. And I, like, how could I do this? And now that things are opening up, I want to do this again. Um, 
And I want to do a more intimate version, like a more workshop mm-hmm. where I'm spending more time. It's just for the students. It's not open to the fans like it used to be. And I want to do this, you know. So I talked to the Laird Superfood team and I said, guys, mm-hmm. like, I want to do this. And they were just like, this is amazing. We want to back this um, and, you know, present this. So I'm about to, to go out and do that on we- the West Coast. Taking vitamins... You know, it can be confusing. You almost feel like you need to really understand the landscape of supplementation to really do it effectively. But one thing is for sure, we all need a good multivitamin. And I have been taking the Ritual multivitamin for over two months, and I love it. I love everything about this brand. It's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin. It's formulated with high-quality nutrients that are bioavailable, imagine that. You know, it's like you're spending the time, the resources to actually do the vitamins. You want ones that your body will understand what to do with it. So they have vitamins that are highly bioavailable. Things that you will not find in the Ritual Multi is sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants. It's funny, you know, I I look at natural food and vitamins and you think, oh, they're healthy. And the fact of the matter is, is that we still have to do our homework and find out who's doing it right. Here's kind of an extra little fun thing about it too, is that they have a fresh taste. It's like this minty aftertaste and a delayed release capsule. So if people maybe get a queasy stomach taking vitamins, that makes all of this very, very easy. The other great thing is, They do it. They've got a women and a men's. We all need different things. They even do teen vitamins and then over 50. So I'm I'm saying that they're really sort of trying to figure out, hey, what do people need based on who they are and where they are in their life? And you can take this multivitamin with such confidence because all of their ingredients are highly traceable. So they've got transparently sourced ingredients. They have nine nutrients to help fill the gaps in your diet. Again, it's very, very difficult to figure out you know, what we're not getting and what we are getting and you know, where our vegetables are coming from and which soil and all of these things. So Ritual has done just such a beautiful job. They even, you know, listen, even the way it looks, it has like oily and dry ingredients together in the same capsule and you can look at it. So I've really enjoyed this brand. I'm excited to share it with you and they have a great offer for you. So if you would like to get key nutrients without all that junk in it, Ritual is offering the listeners today, 10% off during your first three months. So this is another amazing thing. Everything is delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, even snooze, maybe go on a trip or cancel your subscription at any time. And if you don't like Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. So let's go back to the offer. They will give you 10% off during your first three months. If you visit ritual.com slash Gabby, so you can start your ritual today. That's ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash Gabby. The thing is, I think about it too. It's like you speak a universal and truthful language. When you hit a drum, it's very straightforward. And it's also very tribal and primal. And so you can go anywhere and you can connect with anyone, especially the people that are interested. I mean, it's... It's really an, you know, an amazing uh, gift that you can share and connect. It's, and you can, you know, you're setting the tone. You said something earlier about um, when you went out on stage and, and didn't have that first drink you know, before. And it reminded me of something that I heard that I thought was applicable, which was I did a podcast a long time ago now 
with Kristen Ulmer. She was mm-hmm. a downhill skier, totally. and she talked about fear. And you you said it perfectly, which is using fear, you know, it, for good things. It's a good thing. And and um, for those of us who have children, what she says is like, you know, if you were going to take Brixton, let's say somewhere, and he'd say, "Dad, I'm scared. Um, the water slide's huge, or whatever." You wouldn't say to him, oh, son, don't be scared. What you would say is, yeah, it's scary. Are you in the mood to be scared, right? And, and what she says is we're not supposed to feel that, that we want to be scared all the time, but we should never not want to be scared. And I think you saying, hey, when you go up on stage, even though it's your job, you're, you're, you're very technical. I was talking to Rick Rubin, and, he, and um, I thought that was sort of interesting, like you're, you're very technical. And so, you know, it's not that you, you, you knew you know what you're doing, but it's just using, like, I'm going on stage, there's a lot of people, you know, it's all of that. And, and for people to maybe use that as fuel versus, okay, let me numb that down, let me shove that down, let me fix that for my kid. Totally. I think it's, <clears throat> it's really, um, you know, important. Maybe you could just, I know a couple different drummers, and um, you get the idea that there's drummers that create a sound for a group, but they're not maybe even great drummers. They just have, I don't know, they might do something that creates a, that fits in with a sound. And then you have drummers like you that probably can do lots of different types of drumming. How does that occur? Like how did, you know, how did you get so tuned? I mean, what is it? You were two when you were, you come from a musical family mm-hmm. and you obviously were gravitating. And then I think you said by five, though you've, your, your switch was flipped, um, where does that, I mean, does one just pick up the drums? Do you practice? Do you have teachers? Like, how does it, how did your experience? I mean, all of that, I think I just, the best thing was, you know, my dad, he was a drummer, but he was like, I think kind of mainly self-taught too, and he didn't want to teach me wrong. So he kind of just gave me a pair of headphones and his record collection and his drum set and just said, kind of like, figure it out. And I would just, spe- I spent years. What in- do you mean? figure it out. And how old are you? Like, I think I was like two or three when I found the drum set right. in the house and started playing. And then, I mean, I didn't start formal lessons until I was like six. So I think like maybe between three and six, it was just me with headphones, like just f- trying to figure it out and learn and just having all that time alone, which I always tell anybody that wants to learn how to play drums, I'm like, go put on YouTube, your favorite songs and just self journey exploration is the best way doesn't matter if you're doing it right wrong like to just have that freedom to just kind of figure it out it's it's like the best thing ever like you know i haven't taught my kids anything when they want to play music i'll put on whatever their favorite music is and just let them go nuts and now that brixton is is really starting to want to learn guitar and drums i'm going to bring them to school of rock when i play Mm -hmm. the the one um that's kicks off the tour and I'm going to see how, just let him go with the group setting with the teachers and see how he does. Cause that's kind of what my dad did too. He just kind of like, let me explore. And then when it was like time to learn the rudiments and, and the, you know, the technique, I went to, you know, a drum teacher and learned those things. But the thing for me is like, I come from, I just want a something that moves me that the audience feels like. I'm not about, it's kind of less is more like the, the, the biggest satisfaction in the world is like, 
I call it it's the closest thing to playing God. It's like mm-hmm. when you're up there and there's 10 people or 100,000 people and they're all moving to the beat. That is like the highest of all highs in the world because they're either dancing, jumping up and down, moshing, whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you guys saw, like that's why I put you guys on stage to <laughs> yeah. see from my seat what it feels like. Yeah. You know, and, and even when I'm doing the playing with DJs, that's a whole nother level because it's dance music and like it's the beat. It all comes from the beat. Mm-hmm. And that's like, even when I do my drum solos and stuff, I want to always make sure that there's a pulse that the audience could move to. The second you start doing a million notes, whenever you lose everybody and then they go to the the beer garden or they go to the bathroom and they're out. It's like, I want to just have that pulse and feeling like even the press has, you know, asked me like, Oh, your solo music. Like it's, you're not even doing fireworks. And I'm like, cause it's, it's, it's songs. I want, I'm playing for the song. Mm-hmm. And one of the songs that's going to come out soon, the guy I wrote it with, he goes, Hey man, I hope you don't mind. Like the outro of the song, the song's over. There's an outro. I made this little interlude of music and I want you to just kind of go nuts. And that's your moment to shine. And like for live, you can have like a drum solo, but it's musical. So it's like, and that's like, I don't have an ego in that way where I say, it's my solo music. I have to have a drum solo and so off all my years of whatever. Like I'm opposite of that. It took somebody else and we went in the studio and they hit record. And I said, I'm not going to pre-plan anything. I want this to just be so raw off the cuff. We recorded it and put it on. I was like, don't fix it. If, If anything is a little bit ahead of the beat, behind the beat, leave it. Let, let this be raw. Let this just be organic. And when I play live, I'll just not recreate this. I'll just do whatever happens. But it just took someone else to kind of get that out of mm-hmm. me because I just don't, I want to just play for the song and do what's right for what the audience is going to react to and, and feel to. That's, that's the ultimate reward in, in the world to me is like having people move and feel something. And it's just, it's so special and magical like to, to, ha- to have that feeling when you're playing and just seeing like just that sea of people, you know, and, and the reality, it's, it's, I mean, I'll scream, cry, you know, at this all at the same time on stage. And which is like really what happened when I got to be in Molly Crew, which was the band that inspired me to do music. You know, when I actually got to play those songs in that seat, the emotions, like same thing, screaming, crying at the same time behind the drum, because I was just like, this is insane. And like, you know, to have my dad who took me to that show be in the audience mm-hmm. at that show is like, I hope I have a moment like that with my kid one day. There's something I do inspires them that much that I can go be in that seat as cool as it was for me. Yeah. And then like to have Tommy Lee tell that story to the audience. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like, was my dad's probably proudest yeah. moment ever. You know, it's super special. I think what's interesting is you're a very contained person. You're pretty contained. Every time I've seen you, you're very level and contained and you're not like spilling yourself over everybody. So I think to hear you say that you're, you know, crying and screaming on a stage is is really an interesting contrast. But you know, it's it's almost like a different kind of balance. You've you've you struck a wide, you know, interesting sure. in, interesting balance. It's funny having kids, you know, obviously coming from sports Secretly, I always was hoping that um, my kids get into sports. Or if it was music, that would have been great too. But um, Reese actually likes to sing. But I have Brody, who's now 13, who is built for volleyball. I need mm-hmm. to tell you. You saw her. Did yeah, you see her? totally. Okay. And she's very social. See, like Reese plays tennis. She's more like Laird's. She wants to be alone. 
Brody's totally social. You know what she says to me? It's awful. She says, I can confess this. I, I don't want to be like you. And so it's an interesting thing um, where now she's like trying to have nine girls sleep over this weekend. I'm not kidding. And they don't do anything. Like Brody's yeah. a chicken. I mean, her friends, they did sneak out one time, but whatever. I mean, it was all done by 1130 and Reese woke me up and she goes, um, I need to, can you come out here? And the girls are there and Brody's crying. I like, I won't do it anymore. And I go, what time is it? And the 1130. I go, you got all that done by 1130. But anyway, <laughs> she wants all these friends to come over and I go, great. This is where I'm at with this kid. What are you going to do for me? This is what I say to her. And she's like, what, is this this volleyball thing again? Because she can play tennis too. And I was like, she's like, one time, and if I hate it. And I was like, no. She's like, two times. I go, no, three. Because you know how you need a couple times to totally. like something? So I've, I just think it's interesting where we say, you know, we want our kids to be different, but also we see things that we know that they might really enjoy and also naturally be kind of good at. Yeah. And you just want them to just try it. So... It sounds like Brixton already is intrigued by music, but, you know, would you be okay with them sort of saying, I don't know, I'm into anime and like whatever. 100%. As long as like, that's what my parents, you know, sat me down. I remember this as clear as day. They sat me down and they just said like, we will support you if this is, you want to do music, like mm-hmm. don't make us sit you down and have that b plan chat and i never wanted to have that awkward discussion because i didn't have a b plan nor nor wanted one so i just said okay i need to just make sure i do this so we don't have this talk and they supported me they you know i graduated high school a half a year early because i was already touring and my guidance counselor was like this is ridiculous you're getting home at four in the morning coming to school at seven let me get you out of here half a year early work your butt off get out of here so you're not doing that. And then... What, like when you say touring, what does that look like? You're, were you in New York at this yeah, point? Yeah, I was in... Or, East Coast, there's really big cover bands. So um, we would tour up and down the East Coast. Okay. And um, do weddings, private events. And that was kind of like college because you're playing every style of music and right. learning so much and it's endurance. You're playing three sets a night and lugging your own gear in. Sometimes we'd have to bring our own sound system. And, you know, I was doing this at like 15, 16, and, but making a living. Like my friends were working at Burger King making right. like no money. And I was like gigging on the weekends, making great money. You know, it was awesome. And um, if, you, if you look at yourself now at your age and you think about one of your boys being 15 gigging, so to speak, um, you know, with the lifestyle part of it. And it, even if it just means schlepping and staying up late, I'm not, you know, implying that, you know, everyone was going off the rails, but would, would that be hard for you as a parent? I don't think so. I mean, it's just like whatever they want to do, as long as they're a hundred percent passionate, because there's mm-hmm. so many people do things in life that they think they have to, to survive or whatever. And they're just not happy. And, you know, I, I don't care what it is. And like, obviously, because my boys have grown up on the road with me traveling the world and, you know, seeing it from my perspective, it's just they're born into it and they're uh, attracted. I mean, they're, when they're in the car, they want to hear their 21 pilots and whatever loud. And I'm just like, dudes, like it's too, like they they rode with my my in-laws the other day. And she goes, he yelled at grandpa to put on the new 21 pilot song. And he kept saying, and this is riot material, louder, yeah. louder. And it's like, 
you know, well, you so, did name him Riot. Yes, which he lives <laughs> by that name. Oh man, he's a maniac. You guys think about that, right? Yeah. Okay. Just it's, checking. Yeah, which I, I actually hope he's a is doctor one day. Is that as in quiet or as in? I'm just kidding. Yeah, Do, um, he'd be Doctor Riot yeah. if he's ever a doctor. But um, you know, they definitely have have it. You know, my wife's always singing. Well, you guys are both them. musical. Yeah, but like the craziest thing is that because they've grown up seeing it with me, that's their reality. Well, I was going to say they're seeing kind of the sexy side of it. Yes. And I took Brixton to see 21 Pilots when he was, this was, maybe he was three or four Mm -hmm. in arena. And that was his first time being in the audience, not side stage with dad, watching dad play. It's his favorite band. And like, I walked him in. And to see him see that many people and the lights and just to see that, it was like the most incredible feeling to see him react in that way. Mm-hmm. We watched the show and then they had like a little second stage in the middle of the audience. So I took him down there to be close and we go back up to our seats and I look at him and he's like bawling and I'm like, what's the matter, bud? Are you okay? And he goes, I want to go on stage and play the drums and say hi to them because he does it at a daddy's show. So yeah. he thinks that's normal. I'm like, oh my God, bud, this is not dad show. You can't do this. They're in the middle of a show. Like that's his reality because mm-hmm. he does that on dad show. Like when the show you guys were at, I had to barter with him because he wanted to come on stage and play. And I said, you can't play, but when I go out at the end of this show, you could toss my sticks to the crowd. So he did that with me. Um, because like when we played the Warp Tour Street Drum Corps, I let him come up and play with me because that's my own thing. Yeah. And it was just like a fun afternoon thing. But it, it's super cute um, just to, you know, see their, what they think their reality is, um, which is amazing. I love that, you know, I didn't have this stuff. It took me, you know, a very long time to experience the things they're already experiencing. And like that's the fact that they take such a, joy and love it like my kids would sleep like babies on the tour bus like they love the tour bus like they love flying they're bummed when we have to drive places they love the flying so it's like they're great travelers you know i saw brixton take his first steps after he had already been walking but me in munich in my hotel room when he was one it was just like you know stuff like that is really cool did you ever have a time when you after gigging and transitioning into you know more professional that you thought yeah, this isn't going to happen and I'm going to quit because I'm not going to do this type of touring. Like, were, there's, were there, there are those moments or was it just, you know, again, I use Laird as an example because it's, you, I guess you don't quit something that's just a part of you. So I don't, like, was there ever, because it's t- it's, it is tough. It's, it's I, I mean, definitely the hardest career because it's just, I mean, it's probably very similar for you, you know, you as an athlete as well. Like it's, it's not this guaranteed, you know, way that the rest of the world works, Mm. but I wouldn't trade it for anything to have that kind of instability. It's all worth it. And like, okay, we're in these times now. And somehow I was like, I looked at my wife, I'm like, the lights are on, there's food on the table. Like like we're, we figured it out. And like, that was always my biggest, I think, fear. Like what if God forbid my singer got hurt and we couldn't tour and well, this is the worst case scenario, what has happened. And we're still here and we figured it out. And it's like, I always would be worried about the future or whatever. Now I've like literally let all that go. And like, Mm -hmm. let's just live in the moment. 
because anything can happen and yeah. who the hell cares? Like I was always, I think, oh, my future and, and the kids' the education and, or, you know, for this and that's just like, let's just take it day by day. And it's like, I think it's just been a learning tool. And my wife's just been very, very good with just like, you know, with our kids, you know, I just, she goes really deep with, okay, we want to homeschool the kids and going down that rabbit hole, find out like how to do it and, and go so hard with the research. And I'm just like, I know you have obviously our children's best interests, so I support you and back you. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time or the passion to like dive in and figure it out, but I know that you are. Mm -hmm. So I support it 100%, you know, in, in, in many aspects of, of the family, like those are her roles, you know, and I'll, we, we have our kind of, yeah, well, those are her passions. Exactly. And I'm like, I, she supports me. I support her. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really cool to, just see where we're at now mm-hmm. and you know like the life that we built that I never thought I really would have you know with just with what, when you say that do you mean like when you're a young drummer you just thought that you'd be doing that I thought I was going to be single never have kids like my my best friend who I grew up with who was my best man at my wedding mm-hmm. said like I remember you calling me saying yo when when he got married Mikey like uh, the picket life fence family life isn't for oh, me kids like i'm just gonna tour and be this gypsy and he goes look at you now and then literally because i grew up in new york yeah and i've lived out here for 17 years and my sister who's a new yorker she's like i can't believe you're telling me you're moving to the country and you're stoked on like horses and land she's like who the hell are you and yeah. i'm just like this is where i'm at now and it feels really good to have space and and to just like you know start this next chapter of our family life and just to see how excited everybody is and like I remember you know something there's two really great things that like have always resonated with me from just like all the talks with you over the years and you know I said to you before I went on was pretty recent when I was about to go on a a long tour. I'm like, ah, like I feel like shitty to go out on the road right now because I know how much it's a 50, 50, how much to the house, the cooking, the, this with the kids. And you're like, no, 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 there's, that's not doing anything. You should actually feel grateful for how much your wife has to do on her own. Don't, that's not doing anything. And I kind of flipped my perspective on that. And like, I remember we, I had come home for like two days and then I had to go out on Christmas shows and like getting, trying to get the house ready for Christmas and the kids. It was just mm-hmm. crazy. And I come home and there's like, my wife didn't have a time to put the laundry. So there's laundry all over the couch and there's the dish rack is full. And these are the things that I always do because I'm OCD about that stuff in the home. And I literally sit on the plane and I was reading your book at the time and I opened up and there was like a, a, a sentence that you said that I highlighted that was like you talking about the same thing. Like it's not worth sitting here stressing about the freaking clothes that aren't folded. Like mm. just let it go. And I was like, okay, I needed to hear that yeah. because when I do come home, who gives a shit. It's not about that. It's about right. the kids, the family, like some dishes and yeah. some, as long as everybody's there and healthy and happy, like this stuff. And that's like where I had to let that OCD battle of controlling the home because like, you know, my wife's been working nine to five. Yeah. So I've, Drop the kids at daycare, pick them up, do the grocery shopping, cook, yeah. make their lunches, do the laundry. There's no way. Like, and wait, there's a list of 
Have to, should to, want to. And when you're living a real in a real way, you're you're going by that that list every day. And and if you're lucky, if you get through, you know, have to. Not should, okay, should, I should probably fold the laundry, but you know what, today that might not happen. I think um, maybe you could just share too how you created the street drum corpse because I think that's really really interesting that you're, you have an interesting blend of, I call it, I have this too, I call it um, not famous famous, right? Like, you know, it's like there's, you know, I can, I've, I've had different types of careers and I've been in front, I've been behind, I've been Laird's wife, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I've been in all those places. And in some ways I'm, I'm so glad because I think even if you're just always in the front, there will come a time, unless you're like three people on the planet that you go behind and the next group coming up has no clue, nor do they care who you are. And so I think it's, it's so nice when you're working in your craft, when you can get to this, this is what I like to do. This is my job, not uh, do you know me or do you recognize me? And you work with people that, you know, a lot of times the people in the front, the lead singer usually mm-hmm. is more visibly sure. recognizable. Do you think that liberated you in, in any way? Um, I mean, Street Drum Corps organically happened when I moved to L.A. I didn't right. move to L.A. to do that. Right. I moved out here to be in a band in Hollywood. And I got my manager got me a gig and the singer songwriter that was supposed everything was supposed to happen and it didn't. And I met two brothers the night I moved to LA and they invited me to their percussion show they had. And I was doing similar stuff on the East Coast. And literally we got together for fun and made a video. And this is before like viral stuff. So we sent it out like the old school way, like literally like a DVD ROM or something. Right. And we wound up getting hired to to do theme parks and tours and all this stuff because this is when when I'm doing these workshops for kids and they're like, how do I make it? Like, what you know, what's your advice? And I'm just like, you have to do something that, especially here in LA, how do you stick out from the million of other artists or drummers or whatever? And like with Street Drum Corps, we were something that was different for the rock and roll world because we were these like punk rock crazy percussion guys that could be PG and do a theme park, but also it could be crazy and go on a rock and roll tour. So we were kind of doing all of that. And it just started by word of mouth, happening, happening, happening. We started getting record deals. Fast forward to like Jimmy Iovine giving us a massive record deal and, and doing the first 300, 360 like partnership record label thing, which are now a pretty standard thing. Right. Um, you know, and basically it got to the point where no managers like knew what to do with it because they're just like, these guys are in a million different markets. It just, yeah. I was micromanaging everybody. So they probably hated working with me. And I was just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to stop performing. I've, you know, after we did our Vegas residency, that was kind of like my, we did it all like goal yeah. thing. And I said, I want to run this um, and do the business behind it and, and make this because we, are hiring a bunch of drummers and sending them out all over to do all these different, you know, gigs, whether it be something corporate or something, you know, at a theme park or whatever it may be. So I just decided to just take that role on. That's my day job. And you can also help other people in your craft get work. That's the best part of the whole thing is we're giving, see, we don't take drummers from LA and ship them to Ohio to do Mm -hmm. a month residency. We hire local because there's drummers uh, there's too many drummers. Right. And 
I used to go out and train them. And to go see them become these little timid kids by the end of the week, slamming kegs with baseball bats and becoming these just, you know, it was like such a proud moment to see these kids develop and like literally a week of working with them. It's just, you know, it's gotten to a point until the last year and a half where right. we, you know, we're doing multiple theme parks and fairs and, and all that. And like, that's what I do on tour during my downtime. I'm sitting there doing all the budgets and logistics and, and casting and whatnot. And we just got offered, um, you know, shows are starting to come back. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, 17 dates in a row in Florida in a theme park. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that in years. And I was just like, you know, we had a, a cast member fall out last minute. And it's with um, one of my partners. And they wanted a two-drummer show because of COVID. They wanted whatever. I was like, dude, let's do it. Let's like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. I want to go play drums for 17 days, playing four sets a day, playing on buckets again. Like I haven't done this in so long. I, I need this. I need to play. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Like I, I was so over packing the house up before the move and stressing. I'm like, I'm going to get out of here. We'd wake up at 7am every day, go work out. Then we, or, and on the weekends we would wake up and go to the beach, run, run and work out on the beach, go swim in the ocean, go drum all day. And then come back and, and like sit by the pool and just chill and go to bed early. And it was like, it was amazing. And it also got me to do all the adult things that I couldn't do at home because of the distractions. Like, as you know, when you move, you have to change every darn address and set up your yeah. electric company and water company. Like I literally had a task list yeah. and like silly stuff too. It was like, oh, my car lease is up. I need to get a new car. Like I'm going to go test drive a bunch of cars and get an electric car now instead of gas and like do all the stuff that I never would have had time to do being here so it was good and I came back you know charged up and then had like the three days to cram in business here and packing up the rest of the house which literally the movers were here and my wife and I are still packing boxes as they're here of course and then they go to me like we drop the kids at daycare these guys load the truck and because I'm up in the canyon yeah 26 foot trucks the biggest truck you could bring Mm -hmm. the guy's like I think we got it we can do this the dude Tetris this truck like okay. I mean, and you never realize how much stuff you have to you see it in a truck and now it's 5 30 they're supposed to be done i'm supposed to pick up the kids and we drive straight up to northern california to our new host the 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 truck comes the next day we dump it the guy goes okay bro we ain't gonna fit like your outside items and more garage stuff and i'm looking at my wife going like That's we nice. all this stuff we don't even need but what are we gonna do now we can't just leave it you know, like we got to take it. What do I do? The truck, the moving company's like, it's going to be so expensive to send another truck. Okay. U-Haul in the morning, leave the kids at daycare for the night. Cause my house is empty. My wife and I go to target. We buy an air mattress. We go to bed, have the worst sleep ever. Wake up. My wife and I load a U-Haul truck. And then I put the dog in the U-Haul truck and I drive to Northern California. My wife picks up the boys in the car and drives up and we get there literally in time to see the movers like move the last thing in. and then they help me un- unload the u-haul the kids come in it's chaos the my, my nephew comes over with his two dogs the dogs are all male dogs are having a pee contest in my new house i was just like holy shit but now it's all good we got through it you know <laughs> do you see it's, i think other people love to hear that other people uh you know it's i think that's the beauty is it it is chaos and and that and and within the chaos is all the growth and all the learning 
and all the opportunities. Um, and, and actually, if you think about the way you play drums, even though there's such a systematic order, it's this ordering chaos. Yeah, it's side organized by chaos. Side. Right. And it's you, that's what life is, you know? And, and, uh, I, uh, are you, do you ever get competitive? Like you ever see another drummer and just be like, Oh man. Um, I, I think uh, definitely I'll, you know, I'll definitely see some, some stuff and just be like, damn, I need to like, definitely like up the game. And, you know, it's like a, I think more of a friendly, yeah. um, you no, know, way versus like, you know, I call it appreciation co- competitiveness. Cause you see yeah. something and you go, Oh, I wish I had more of that. And like, as you know, and like watching the, the Michael Jordan documentary yeah. series was the most inspiring thing of all time. Seeing someone who's the absolute greatest, who would just never just like yeah. train, 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 no matter what, like keep, it really inspired me. And that's why like, I'm going to have a creative space in my house now where mm-hmm. I can get back to shedding. Just like, I'm going to get on a daily schedule now where it's working out, yeah. drumming, family, like make it a real schedule of, of discipline to get back to that because I, I haven't done that in so long. It's just tour, record, yeah. home for a break. Like, I, I you know. What, what about like jazz? Like you see, I've watched a lot of jazz and that type of drumming seems sort of very unique or specific. Does any of that ever interest you? It does. And it's like so foreign. That's what I mean. Is me. it a different it really, language? Oh, it, it's, it's the, even the way they hold the sticks and the kind of things they use. Like I, funny enough, when I was like 21, I had a free scholarship to go to a, a music school okay. and I was enrolled and went the day to go like pick out the classes. And I walked in the school and I just said, I can't do this. Like, I, I can't do this. Like, I, I don't want to do this. I have to back out. And I like, I literally backed out of a free college run. And I said, I'm going to go to New York city. I'm going to go to the drummers collective, which is a drummer mm-hmm. school. I'm going to study with dudes who are, are out of my league. Like I'm going to learn Afro Cuban, Broadway show tunes, like stuff that is so, so I can well round myself so I can always work for the rest of my life as a drummer. Even though I want to do rock music, dance music, like at least I could always work. So I did that. And then I started taking gigs, doing all kinds of stuff. And one of the gigs I actually played on a cruise ship in the orchestra in Alaska for Holland America. I was in a tuxedo playing in the showroom. And then we would have to do these gigs for like the highbrow first class lounge people where we'd have to do jazz stuff. And I faked my way through that stuff. I was just like, that was definitely, you know, that was the hardest gig I ever had. I mean, the musical director was like throwing stuff at me because it was just, it was a really hard gig where, you know, every night there's a different show you have to learn that day, whether it's a pianist that comes in or a magician or a comedian, (laughs) like it was gnarly. And you're on a boat that's moving, going through, you know, Glacier Bay, <laughs> it's insane. And I'm a kid, 21 years old. Like I had no right being there. I'm there with all these older seasoned vet musicians, but it like totally kicked my ass. And it was just like, all these experiences have definitely been incorporated in my mm-hmm. life and they'll come out in ways that I don't even, you know, and I think in Street Drum Corps, when we were creating a lot of the music, all of a sudden I started naturally playing these Afro-Cuban rhythms that like, we're this punk rock group, but mm-hmm. like, oh, this works because I learned it. It's coming out here naturally, which is funny because when we train guys, those sections, the kids have the hardest time with because it's such different style of drumming that it took me, you know, my teacher would literally, if I showed up and didn't know what he taught me and I'd have to commute to the city, take subways and whatever, he would send me home. So it was like pretty gnarly. Like that yeah. was like some serious, which I think was way better than going to traditional college. Like that was really, really good that I put myself through that just to like 
not be a one-trick pony. I'm in the perfect mood to do this ad today because I just came from prepping dinner and I had a moment where I was like, okay, prep dinner, get it done on time, or do something outside. And then I'm coming in and talking about Sakara. I've talked a lot about them. They're a nutrition company. They do focus on overall wellness. However, like everyone, they believe it starts with what you eat and incredibly, they make that really easy. So I, I know a lot of us, we're trying to get a little more plant-based nutrition into our daily lives. Maybe, you know, we're trying to figure out how do I do that? What tastes good? Maybe, you know, the days are getting longer. Things are starting to open up. Well, Sakara is there for you. They have, you know, you don't have to suffer through anything. Their menus are creative. They're chef crafted, ready to eat breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. It changes weekly, so you won't get bored. I know I'm bored of my own cooking. And they will deliver this. Not only do they have a great offer for you today, but they will deliver this fresh to your door anywhere in the US. They have a lot of other incredible products too, is if you get going and you wanna support your health in other ways. So besides their delicious plant-based meals, they're offering daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas. So you can support your nutrition um, and experience the transformative nutrition of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder. It's made with cacao, so it boosts your energy, it can eliminate bloating, and a big one, minimize your sugar cravings. I'm always trying to figure out how do I get the sugar out of my diet, and especially wanting it. So right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Gabby Reese, or just enter the code Gabby Reese, one word at checkout. That's Gabby Reese, G-A-B-B-Y-R-E-E-C-E. And again, you can get your 20% off your first order at Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com. Yeah, you know. and who are who are some of the drummers that you you just are excited or by their work, either you know present or even obviously past? I mean, the the stuff for me was like the most emotional, feel good, move you stuff was like the James Brown's records, you know, like funk music, Sly and the Family Stone, like all that stuff was huge on me when I was young. And then the rock side, the the Motley Crue, the Ozzy, like, you know, the Metallicas, that's that kind of stuff. And then obviously like Led Zeppelin to this day, like that drummer just is... What's his name? John Bonham. Mm-hmm. And just that feeling and how powerful, just this, you know... What does that mean, how powerful? How just you listen to the drums and just how big it feels and how good mm-hmm. it feels, like... Just the, the way he hit the drums, just the sound that comes out to this day is still as big and uh, as feel, it just will hold the test of time forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the guys in, in the, you know, now that are like that are the Dave Grohls and, you know, Taylor Hawkins and, you know, Questlove from The Roots. And, you know, like I love, you know, who I got to collaborate, Josh from 21 Pilots. Like I love drummers that make it a show, they become frontmen. Mm-hmm. They can not only play and make you feel good but they will make their drum performance a spectacle they'll put the drums over the crowd or do these different creative things to just not be the guy in the back you know which is like going back to street drum corps we're like we're going to be three frontmen right because we're tired of waiting on our singers to (laughs) write songs and waiting for the (laughs) damn guitar player to tune his guitar and his pedal board doesn't work so we were just like trying to just do something it was a side project because one of my partners was in a big sign band at that time and they were on hiatus and they went up breaking up, which I actually, it's funny enough, 
you know, Rick Rubin, who I've met, yeah. you know, uh, here with you and a couple times just in the, you know, in life. Yeah. Literally, my partner's old band showcased for Rick to produce their record. Oh, geez. And Rick starts talking to me and my partner about Street Drum Corps, which was awkward because he was there to produce that band. And Rick's, what's, what's this thing you guys are doing, this percussion thing? That's so Rick. And, it's, and then he passed on producing mm-hmm. them. And we should have picked Rick to produce when we had a Street Drum Corps record deal. Heck he yeah. should have done our record. Yeah. And he's like one of the people that like I have as producers and people that I want to collaborate in the top three. It's like Pharrell Williams is one. And Rick is is another because they're like so musical, but very beat driven. Like, I mean, you listen to like the shit Rick's done, like the 99 Problems, Jay-Z beat and that kind of stuff. Like, it, it's just, it's so incredible. Um, you know, and I know he did the new Imagine Dra- Dragons record, which like the beats and just the stuff on that is just like I- incredible. And they're, you know, he's just such a sweet. He's very curious. He's interesting. Yeah. I, you, I could see Rick the next day after he's been in the, literally with like Kanye West and Eminem, let's just say. I'm mm-hmm. not even making this up. Yeah. And he'd be in the sauna and he is talking about some new monitor that can check your heartbeat for the beat in between the beats. Like he, he's interesting in, in that it doesn't occur to him. You know, he's just a student of life mm-hmm. and he'll send you articles about, you know, health or, you know, politics or things like that. And so maybe I, I really think that that's probably what contributes to um, why he continues, besides obviously he's talented, yeah. is his is his success. So is there a drummer that mystifies you? Is it the Led Zeppelin drummer? Is there somebody that you see it and you're almost like, I don't even understand how they do that? Um. That's a good one. Um, I mean, there's like the drummers who are the gospel from the gospel world that are in a lot of the backing bands for like the Justin Bieber's and um, the Rihanna's and stuff. And when those guys just wall out, like they let like let them have their moment. That's just like I don't even know what's going on. I mean, but it's like it's so. Um, groove oriented though too, but they have these chops, and it's a totally. That stuff just blows me away. But I, you know, my all-time go-to is just the Tommy Lee because just the way he impacted me on the showmanship and just how mm. powerful it was. The John Bonham because that's his idol, you know. It was that. But then, like, you know, my dad took me to see Buddy Rich, who was a you know famous big band drummer leader, who was the he was his band. Yeah. And like seeing that and seeing this animal behind the drums and conduct the band and yelling at the band members on stage because you know, it's just, he's conducting as well as drumming. Like it was just pretty powerful to see that stuff. I think so young in life, mm-hmm. um, you know, but like the, the probably the coolest compliment was like, you know, Tommy it was the first time he had actually went to the sound booth and watched his band. And he goes, you play and hit the drums exactly like me. So I, I, it's tripping me out because I feel like I'm watching you know, myself. And I'm like, yeah, because I learned right. by playing to your records yeah. my entire childhood. Like yeah. this is why th- this, and the band came, there was like a little qu- uh, set change part in the middle of the show. And they all come in the little quick change area that I was in with Tommy. And he's like, what the hell are all the guys coming in here for? And they're like, they're like, thank you. Like we are just doing our gig and yeah. we're doing us. We're not worried about like carrying you through the show or you're not throwing us off our game. We feel like we're playing with Tommy. And I was just like, that's the, Greatest compliment. And that was something that like whenever I got these gigs, I was like, I need to come in here with no rehearsal, no 
you know, and, and deliver it the way the artist needs it. So I, mm. they're not being taken off of their game. So I got a reputation in the industry, which was like my thing as a drummer. Zumo's the guy that can come in and fill in and you don't have to rehearse and he'll just nail it. Like, and that's how I got to play with Scott Weiland from Stone Tumble Pilots and, yeah. you know, Gary Newman and all these amazing, incredible artists that it's still like. Do you listen and try to figure out like, which part of yourself is going to play the drums that way? You know, I, I heard it, it reminds me of, you know, the actress Charlize Theron. She's mm-hmm. so incredibly talented. I heard her say a line that she would use her legs and she would stand in a posture the way she thought the character hmm. would stand. And she said it would help her get embody that person. Huh. Did you, would you just listen to the music and try to figure out how to put that side of yourself into that music? It's three parts. It's one, learning the songs like the record, but then also mm. seeing how they do them live because bands extend things, do little dropouts, do different things. So it's like doing your homework, saying I'm going to learn it like the record, but then I'm also going to watch the YouTube live videos to see how they do this live. And then the third most important part is the singer is the band leader, learning the language, what they need from you when you need to take things down or bring it up or support them. Like our singer, we play hundred percent live. We don't play to computers with backing tracks because our singer, it's all about the crowd, his breakdowns, his audience participation. Like, and I had to learn the hardest part of getting the gig was to learn his body language. So now before he even does it, I know what he's going to do, but it took me a long time to understand when he points his arm, when he needs it brought down, when he needs things extended, if something happens or whatever it is, like literally learning that, and it took a while and, you know, it, it was, it was really hard. And I'm also like playing some of the keyboard parts and pre-recorded things on pads live. So that was like another ego thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to have to simplify the drumming part to play these parts that are on the record because they weren't doing that stuff live. And I wanted to bring that in to make it sound like the record live. So I said, okay, I'm not going to just do this big fill that's supposed to be here. I'm going to have to simplify it to get this part out. And that's like the whole ego thing where it's like, it's not about that. It's about the song and what sounds the best and supporting the band and, and everybody around because it is a, it's a team. I mean, there's a, there's five of us up there, right? you know, everyone's singing, everyone's playing. And it's like, it all comes down on me to, for the tempos and just everything that, that goes on. So it's, it's a lot. And it's like, you just can't get wrapped up in your head. That's the biggest thing because the second you do, you start making mistakes and you got to get out of your head. And whenever those thoughts come in, like, oh, there's the hard part coming up or a fill, like I'm, you mess it up if you you get in your head. So you have to let it go and say, I'm going to just own it and go for it and and let it go. And it's like, you know, we have bad days and and just, you know, it's just life. But like, I think the one thing that I've always took it into stage is like everyone that comes there and pays a ticket this is their release from life. They're there to have a good time and to, to not worry about anything. So, and they've paid good money to be here. Right. They don't care that I just had a fight with my wife or my arm hurts. All that shit needs to be left backstage and I need to come out there and give everybody that you know deserves it. And you have to play every show like it's your last. I mean, that what a <laughs> relevant thing to say now because it's like, what if, God forbid, something happened tomorrow? Would yeah. you want that last show? Oh, I was upset because of this. No, it's like you have to just leave it all on that stage. And like I always, you know, it's like you have to take the time to reflect. And I always look up 
in the stands because I remember being that little five-year-old at the Motley show, being in the nosebleeds and having that effect on me. So I always try to take a moment in the show and, and look up and just be like, I remember being there and the fact that I'm here now, I'm so grateful. Like I need to just have a little moment with myself and, and I do that in, in every show, like no matter what, because it's like, I, this is my dream and I can't believe that it's providing and, and, you know, like that's not what it's about, but the fact that it does yeah. and I can give my, you know, my family this, you know, life that we have is, is pretty incredible. So you, you just say that you're a team. Do you think when you were younger was the goal to be a rock star? Cause you know, there's, there's athletes that they go, I want to, you know, whatever, be a big athlete or it was it, I just, this is what I want to do and spend my time and make my living with. I want to be both. a musician. I think both. And like, I just don't, it's just, I always refer to myself as that little kid in my parents' basement. Like, I don't see myself as this like rock star. Like, I hate even that word, but it's no, like, I, well, you know. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the dream of it. For like sure. the fantasy. That is, yeah. I mean, the fact that, the perks and things that we get mm-hmm. to do is absolutely amazing. But it's like, you know, I had this conversation with my wife cause she's like, Oh, we're moving to the country. And like, I don't want us to be like that. Oh, here they are from LA with, you know, the fancy, not that we have anything not, I'm not showing yeah. up with a Lamborghini. Like it's not that yeah. kind of stuff or any in that. And I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I don't care what anybody thinks. Every single thing we have, we've worked our asses off to have. And if people think that's like showing off, they can go up themselves because it's not about that. Like, I've come from nothing. Everything I have, I've worked for hard. I even harder now than ever, you know. So it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't, yeah. you know. So if if we uh, round it out in just the buckets that we all share, um, you know, as human beings, some roles people aren't in yet, but they will be, or you know, whatever. As a dad, you're parenting. Do you have a philosophy or a mantra that has really helped get you? um, to hear so far? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, every, as you know, it's like every day is a different day, different challenges. Mm -hmm. It's the routine, especially with toddlers is, you know, up and down. Um, I think it's just like, just support your kids and be there for them as, as much as you can and just like lead by, example because that's what they know and it's like you know it's it's hard it's it's I used to think touring and the not sleeping and the long flights was hard I go on tour now I'm on vacation oh I have to go play an hour and a half big deal and I get to just dick around all day and you know on the bus or the dressing room like it's being a parent is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life um because it's a life of just worrying that's what we do you worry about your children you want just only the best for them you know, um, you know, Riot choked last night on a pineapple. First time we've ever had a kid choke and he got it up himself. And I was in the other room. My wife was like crying because it was so yeah. traumatic, you know, and it's like just the worrying and the decisions that we have to make and be responsible for. But it's like, you just got to let it go and just like lead by example. And, um, you know, just communicate, I think communication, Yeah, communication, we because I want my kids to talk to us about everything and not hide anything or, you know, my mother and I are like that. Um, 
I never hit anything. Like when bad stuff would happen to me, I would go to my mom, not my dad. And I would say, mom, this happened. Like, yeah. you know, I, there was, you know, which is, I want that relationship with my boys. Um, the trust and just the, the respect and just all of that. Um, so, and what about as a husband, you know, you've been in your relationship for over 10 years. Is there something that you're sort of seeing that you're practicing or implementing that's just, you know, supporting being a good partner? Is there, is, you know, I mean, we all go through phases, but maybe something you obviously don't know coming in that you have figured out, oh yeah, this is a, this works pretty well. Um, I think, and what's funny is like this whole move and all this chaos, it wasn't my wife's idea. This is my idea. Like, so I always tell my wife, like all this chaos, this is my doing. Like you're mm-hmm. not, even though like we're moving down the street from your family, and everything, even though this we is are me. sleeping on an air mattress. Yeah, this, this is, is all <laughs> me. This, I, cause my wife, I had said to her like, right. Like I said, Hey, when I go back on tour, maybe after, you know, we save a nest egg again mm-hmm. and whatnot, like let's look into maybe, you know, moving. And then all of a sudden I got on Zillow and I was like, wait a second. Well, your family just moved. This is how much houses like this and what you get. We went up for the holidays. My wife's brother is a realtor. We went and looked at like 20 houses. And then I was like, it's on. And then when I talked to my realtor in LA and he just said how, what the market was doing a lot. So it was like all me. So I was like, babe, I take hundred percent responsibility for all this chaos. Cause this was me. This wasn't you saying like, because you know, the thing that was in the back of my head would she would sometimes like when I'm deep into a tour yeah. and with some 41, our rule kind of is like four or five weeks max. Yeah. And even if we go home for a day just to go home, we don't yeah. go past that. Yeah. Cause when I met you, we did that nine weeker would they were, the band was like no more nine, nine weeks. That's just too much. Um, but you know, I think just the way that you're maybe showing up as a partner that again, we can only know sometimes and learn by go, going through it just something that you that has really helped you maybe navigate the partnership better. Yeah, and I think because she had always said like, oh, like I'm here alone with the boys. Like it's a little lonely because I'm missing all my family things. It's harder for me to just to drive or fly with two kids yeah. alone. And she wasn't she was just venting. She wasn't yeah. like saying like I'm and it just it stuck with me and it kind of rubbed me and then like literally her sister, because now that her brother moved up there, her parents are moving, they're all up there, posted a video of like Santa coming down the street on a fire truck. And her sister was like, one day, hopefully my sister is here too. And like, it just, it got me. Mm. And I was just like, this, this, my kids need to have their cousins. My wife needs to have her family. So when I go on tour, she's got her family because they are so incredible and so tight. And they're just like, they don't, they just naturally are there for each other and help each other. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's really special. I'm like, why are we not part of this? Especially when I'm on the road to have my wife have this this help. My in-laws are getting way older and right. I'm just like, you know, we need to be close. And obviously it's it's hard for me because my my Zumo family is is well, I'm the only Zumo left. It's just my mom yeah. who's, you know, divorced. It's my mom and my sister. My sister's got two babies, one I haven't even met yet, mm. and her husband. That's that and then my aunts and uncle, but it's a very small family and they're all in New York still. Right. I haven't seen my family in like a year and a half. And I'm a mama's boy, so this yeah, sucks. I, I saw you with your mom. It was really cute. The best moment was backstage at the Playroom in Hollywood and I'm just like doing my warm up. 
routine. And like, you know, when you can feel someone behind you, it's you and Laird come in the dressing room and my mom is right next to me and I'm beating the crap out of the room. She's sound asleep. Well, you and have you're headphones just on and you're on a on the kit that doesn't make a bunch of noise like yeah. to practice. And your mom is f- one foot from you sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's clearly Frank's mother. You know, she's been a whole life of that. Yeah. So to to wrap it up, Frank, I um maybe just because it's not that you're new to the, you know, sort of actively taking care of yourself, but maybe m- more new. Um just some of, if you've sort of discovered some things that really have helped you, we've talked about the breathing, that's obviously, um, and sleep, and maybe not, you know, doing the three drinks, because then you started doing the math, you know, you said, I was like, okay, you're doing five shows, and it's 15 drinks, and things like that. Is there anything like in your nutrition, or um, just anything else you're doing that supports your health? your health, because I think a lot of times I have on this show, like very extreme, intense people in these categories, mm-hmm. like intense nutritionists or the, you know, whatever. And I, and I think what you offer is somebody who lives a very rigorous lifestyle when you're not in COVID and, um, you're finding the way. And so I, I would be curious. It's definitely like eating as clean, organic, local as possible. Um, I mean, a ton of vegetables, fruits, nuts, like just, I mean, that's how we eat. I'm not even, when I do the shopping, I'm not allowed to buy anything unless it checks all those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and especially on the road, like there's so many, you know, kids it's that are- It's hard on the road. But it's actually, so many people will say that and I, I can't afford to eat organic whenever. And I'm like, okay, before you go on the tour, go buy this hand shaker, mm. blender thing, go buy a protein powder with all these things. That's what I just did for 17 days. I was in Florida around like terrible strip malls and stuff. I literally packed my suitcase with all of the, you know, my greens, all the stuff that yeah. between you guys and, and Primal Kitchen and organics, throw it all in a blender, boom, every day I'm getting everything that I need. Buy that stuff before you go on the road and you have it every day. You don't need to eat Taco Bell and all this stuff. And I've, I've literally, like some upcoming kids that were doing that, I've helped them change their right. lifestyle. And, I, and I, that's why, like, me going out on this tour to talk to kids, like, it, it's the perfect partnership with Laird Superfood because I talk about it to the kids because I'm like, I, you know, I'm as healthy as can be. This is what I do. This is what you should do. And we talk about mental health, like all this stuff. And mm-hmm. the school, when they found out that Laird Superfood, mm-hmm. they were like, this is amazing because we don't want, if you said, hey, so-and-so energy yeah. drink garbage is yeah. a sponsor, like we're not backing that because we want to promote health to our kids. Like they do School of Rock little all-star tours. The kids have to go to bed on time. They can't eat junk food. Like they're instilling that. So like, this is the perfect brand for you to do this. Do you think you were close to this kind of practice though, even in your mid twenties, cause of your mom's practice of like, Hey, we have real food. Like, do you think you were sort of ahead of the game though? Pretty much a little bit, mm. but didn't dive deep until like the last couple of years. Is there something besides, you know, the, the consistent alcohol that you've taken out of your you know, ritual, your daily habits that you really noticed has impacted um, your health? Just alcohol and then just like literally doing just a massive amount of supplements, mm-hmm. vitamins, um, the training. And I think, you know, one of the hardest but most rewarding things was learning the hot and cold therapy. 
Yeah. Which again, it's, you know, it's not the funnest, right. but like, it's just, it's so, especially the inflammation, athletes, drummers, musicians, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, my favorite thing is like, it's like the best high in the world is like leaving training here. Yeah. Same way that I feel after a show. Um, it's just, it's the right kind of high and like energy. And it just fuels me to be like, okay, how do I even, you know, change this or do this? And it's, it's been fun because I was like not motivated to go to the gym and, and, you know, whatever. And like to find these new ways to make it really fun. And also like the results were incredible, um, in so many ways. So like I've had so many other drummers and, you know, people hit me up and like, what's this XPT or what's, what's this? And, you know, so do you think you're going to be, you know, doing something easy, 75, 80, like just as that this is, you know, there's people who do things that you think, oh, this is a, is a young person's game. And then you start to realize like, oh no, they will do this for their entire life. Yeah. There's no like retirement for me because I feel like this is like, you know, this is you. Yeah. And going to see like Fleetwood Mac and these bands that they're still playing arenas and they're up there killing it. It's like, it's so inspiring. You think Laird's ever going to get off the surfboard? You know, it's like, that's so inspiring to see. And like, you know, I mean, Metallica is still doing it. That's insane music. You know, know. it's like, it's, it's, and that's, I guess my main point of this whole thing about health and all that. I want to do this forever. Yeah. I want to be my grandfather just lived, bless him, till he was in his mid-90s. I want to live that long or longer. I want to be there for my kids and see all their moments. So whatever the hell I can do to do that. And like just to, you know, consulting with this incredible team mm-hmm. that's in this world that you've yeah. introduced me to is like, it, it, it's like I, I could never like thank you guys enough for like, you know, it's it's really emotional in, in so many ways and like to for you guys to just like help my wellness and just but I feel like I'm a better human because of like this whole experiences and everything. So it's like I, I don't even the, the saying thank you isn't like I feel even enough, but it's like it's it's really special and I've incorporated this into my life. And it, you know, I, I can't well, not I talk that, about it enough. You I know? think that's the important part. I think people just have to realize that is, it is so multidimensional and, you know, it's relational, like you were saying with your kids and your wife and your art and your food. I, um, I want to just ask you one last question. And, and, um, and by the way, it's, it's really an, just an honor to know you. And, and, you know, I think the way that most people feel is everything. Like if I said to you, Hey Frank, I'm really interested in learning music. I would imagine you would help me. Oh, exactly. So, you know, Listen, well, that's what we all would naturally do. I think that's in humans. And, and we can say however it gets presented out in the world, but I actually really, truly believe people want to learn and people want to share and teach. So you know that from teaching yourself. So I, uh, I really appreciate it. And I saw you, I think, the first time you went in the ice tub and your a mental grit definitely showed up. So if you could tell young Frank, 25, 28, um, you know, one thing of advice, something that maybe you've really learned for yourself firsthand, um, would there be anything? It's funny. Cause I, 
I've been asked that here and there, and, and the only thing, and it's like not, you know, as far as the music, the career, mm-hmm. like definitely everything, because that's the thing too. It's like, you know, I, I constantly tell the kids too, I'm like, you know, with social media now, which wasn't a thing when, I, you know, when we were coming up, it's like, it's your highlights reel. You know, kids aren't posting your failures or, you know, people are being more honest these days, which is good to see. Like, hey, I had this problem or, you know, whatever, but it's kind of your highlights reel. So you're not seeing the, you know, when I moved out here, my band failed and I was broke and living off a cup of ramen. It's like, I don't need to post about it nor talk about it, but kids just think, oh, you just came out here and you made it. It's like, no, that's not, you know, how it was. It was very hard. But I wouldn't trade that in for the world because I have a lot of friends that made it out of high school and were billionaires on MTV, and that's like amazing for them. They 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 did it, but that's like a one in a million chance that doesn't happen. But I'm glad I kind of had a because I appreciate it even more now coming from yeah. nothing and and all that. But um, the only it, it's silly as it sounds. The only advice I'd give myself is just stay away from like the the toxic girls on the road that you you're you know you get the new attention and the girls are you know because you're in the band and like yeah I had a just to be real I had like a stripper fiance you know back in my early 20s just stuff that just like yeah get all that out that you know but again I had to like go through all that to actually you know even when I got with my wife I still was like in another world and she basically was like get your shit together or I'm out of here I'm packing my bags and I'm out and it made me grow. I'm like, I don't want to lose this. Like, I love her parents. Like, all of this stuff that was too important to me that was like, because I'm so family, I was like, I want my partner's family to be somebody that I actually want to be with. Yeah. You know, like, I love my in-laws and her brothers and sisters and everybody. And it was like super, super important. Um, but as So far maybe as- it's like we all have to just go through it and learn it ourselves. Yeah. Um, but hopefully just don't stay in it too long. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And like, don't, you know, it's, don't be in, same thing with, you know, groups and things. You don't have to be in toxic. No. You know, there's a lot of toxic people and bands and and things that you, you know, that's really bad. And that's why people do have addiction or mental health problems. And it's like, you just need to remove yourself from those situations as hard as it may be. Well, I, uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming here again. I know you're in the middle of chaos and you have your van show. And um, I just really admire your work ethic and your dedication, not only to your craft, but to your family. So thank Thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday.